0: This is the Becoming Man podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Melke, here with co-host Marshall McElhaney. Integrating our knowledge and experience as family therapists, husbands, fathers and men, we explore a wide range of topics from a masculine perspective, including mental health, relationships, fatherhood and meaning making in today's ever evolving world. Thank you for listening and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Becoming Man podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Melky, along with Lord Marshall McElhaney.
1: <clears throat> Howdy, Lord of Kerry. Lord of Kerry, owner of Infoigo Shorts. We're not talking about it. <laughs> I think we should. Oh man, I don't want to. <laughs> I really want to. <laughs>
0: Okay, fine. So, (laughs) so embarrassing. Or awesome. Or awesome. So, Marshall and I just discovered 20 minutes ago that not only did we both buy um, a new pair of swim trunks, we both bought them from the same company. And, the exact same pair. Not only did we buy them from the same company, (laughs) we bought the exact same (laughs) pair. Uh, the way we found this out is because um, I was just small talking. And shared I bought some new swim trunks from uh, from this company, and, uh, and he's like, "Is it the Enfuegos?" <laughs> I said, "Is it from Chubbies?" Chubbies, yeah, yeah, is yeah. It from that's Chubbies? the brand. Chubbies, uh, yes, is it the Enfuegos? Yes, <laughs> and I was like, "So I'm colorblind," um, and I was not aware of the uh, the amount of pink that was involved. First I'm, o- of all, I'm okay with some streaks of pink, but according to my wife, it's bright. Yeah, this
1: is way better. Prominent. than way better than the way you're telling it. You said you had a pair, but you're going to take them back because it was too ridiculous. Yeah. And I asked you. Well, Did I say just- too ridiculous? <laughs> yes. Oh. And I said, "Well, I just bought the Enfuego's, and I think they're awesome." And you looked them up. Those are the ones. We need to keep them. It's so sponsor of the podcast. It's so full disclosure.
0: I actually really like them. They're awesome. But I'm colorblind. And so when I'm told what something looks like, I get really self-conscious. And I can't, and I don't have like information to counter it. Sure. And so when I was trying them on, I had my oldest daughter there laughing at me. (laughs) And my wife being like, honey, do you know how pink they are? And I'm like, no, (laughs) I don't. I don't know how anything they are, because I can't really tell. Yeah. I just like them.
1: So when I showed but, my wife, mine haven't came in yet. Yeah. But when I showed her what I bought, she uh, got really big eyed and said, "Those are very you, Marshall." Awesome.
0: See, <laughs> I, I would appreciate that kind of feedback.
1: Um, I
0: I'm gonna give him a second chance though. Yeah. I'm gonna can, give
1: him a second chance. Can we wear them to record?
0: Absolutely not. All right. I'm making it yeah. happen. I will not wear them. <laughs> Particularly because uh, I have an affinity for short shorts. So I bought the four inch inseam ones. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, rugby. For those of you <laughs> that don't know, rugby shorts are famously very short. Yeah. Uh, so if I, I will not show up to the office with that much legs.
1: <laughs> well, apparently we found a new sponsor for the podcast. It is Chubby, Chubby, Chubby shorts. shorts. Chubby yep. shorts. Let's reach out. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: Let's go It's actually a good story right It's a great story A good sales pitch Yeah like, Also hilarious Yeah I regret telling the world
1: um, I'm loving this
0: I know because I'm squirming <laughs> Remember what I was talking about About predictability Sure Yeah That's yeah. what's happening like, yeah. I don't want to be the same <laughs>
1: Uh, it's okay. Yeah. I'm good. It's vulnerability. Um, exercise. Yeah. invulnerability. Yeah. Do you have any shame about this, Anthony? <laughs> well, I might. <laughs> uh, so that's what we're going to talk about today.
0: We're going to talk about shame. Yeah. Um, so. <sighs> shame. Shame, shame, shame. Uh. The going from laughing to this topic, I I like I need a bridge, so I'm gonna talk fairly on like without much of a purpose until I get into a, a headspace where I can talk seriously. Um Because that was a funny story and then shame is like pretty sad. So Yeah. Um sure. yeah. Uh, Alright, I'm ready. So uh we were talking about work last week. Mm-hmm. Um and meaning and identity and self worth and love. Right. Uh, connected to work. Um, and as I was reflecting on how to follow that episode up, um, I was reminded of um, an article that I'll refer to later. Well, I sent it to Marshall about 20 minutes ago while we were talking about swim shorts, um, <laughs> that talks about shame. And so we'll, we'll get back to that. But the reason I was reminded of it, um, it when I thought of shame and work mm-hmm. is uh, I think just as meaning and purpose and being able to provide for a family is so intimately tied for men to working.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The failure to do those things, mm-hmm. experiencing meaninglessness, feeling like you don't have a purpose, feeling like you don't matter, feeling like you're irrelevant, yeah. uh, feeling like you can't provide for your family in the ways that they need financially or otherwise. I think that the other side of that is shame. Sure. Um, so what I what I want to do today is have a conversation about how we even understand shame. We we say that word. Um, the different ways that it can be used in conversation, and what it means when we when we say shame, mm-hmm. and then talking about the effects of it, um, and maybe particularly on men, cool. um, if we can. So, what do you? How do you understand shame, Marshall? Or what? Even me just introducing this whole idea. I kind of want to tie it to work, but I'm not sure if it's sh- if I want to keep it like constrained to just work
1: but i doubt we'll be able to do that i'm just i'm just calling that right now because it's a big yeah i mean how yeah. can you ju- i mean like any of these topics we could do a whole probably season if we wanted to break it down and be really nuanced with it but i'm guessing this conversation will probably lead a million different directions we can do our best if that makes yeah, i mean if whatever. Makes it feel better
0: yeah i don't i don't know i'm not super connect. like i'm not yeah. super invested in it only being at work i just have some... Yeah
1: thoughts around uh, work, but I'm, so I'm interested I, in your thoughts on yeah. shame. Yeah. Or how you understand it or whatever. Uh, the, the first thing that comes to my mind, and I think it's a, a personal experience as well as a professional one. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, I, I'm interested in the tie between anger and shame. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. but when I think of negative, like icky negative emotions that I don't want to feel. Mm-hmm. I feel like almost all of mine boil down to some form of shame. Um, I mean, there's other things in there and mm-hmm. I think there's other things in there for my clients as well. Mm-hmm. But um, shame seems to be a uh, very prominent theme um, for people that are struggling and don't know how to talk about stuff or are afraid to talk about stuff.
0: So when you say shame, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? um
1: feeling feeling less than and afraid to share i think okay that's what i'm talking about
0: yeah yeah
1: less than who or what um man probably i want to say less than human
0: yeah mm-hmm. honestly mm-hmm.
1: um yeah yeah I
0: can't remember what class it was in but it was with your cohort Co-work. we were talking about shame in a class hmm. um, and i don't even remember why i think i may have done a lecture on masculinity actually um, but i was asking for people's definition of shame
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, let me know if this rings a bell it doesn't uh, <laughs> it's all right <laughs> the the classroom experience is so weird because as yeah. the professor I'm like grooving, you know, like I'm in my lane. I'm loving it. I just, I, I love to teach, but on the other end of loving to teach are the students who have families at home that are, (laughs) that are like wanting them home, who just came from a full-time job who are living life Are exhausted and anxious. So anyway, it's just kind of ironic. I'm like remembering this magic moment. You're like, I, nah, think, I don't remember, man. I think I might have been falling
1: asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, like, I, I feel that, you know, with clients all the time where I'll, I'll yeah. follow up at the end and I'll think, man, I had this. this I like I so led them connection. to such an enlightening moment. Yeah. And like didn't even register. Yeah, like there's eh. something else. We're like, yeah. I really like this. I'm like that. You think That's all. That. that? Oh, yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway,
0: um, I remember this conversation because of what I'm about to tell you. Mm-hmm. So I was asking people's definition of shame and one one of your classmates uh said um an immutable sense of being wrong do you know what the word immutable means no it's like an unchanging ever present
1: Hmm.
0: sense of being wrong Hmm. um and that, I was like, oh, that is—that it's that pretty good. Captures it in a way that I haven't been able to capture it before. Yeah, I—I yeah.
1: I think for me, if I'm going to add on to that, I don't know if it's—it's it's being wrong, but mm-hmm. a feeling like I've wronged myself or someone else, and maybe mm-hmm. I'm just splitting hairs, hairs here. But
0: yeah, I think being wrong—not as in like I—I I said something wrong or I answered a question; it was wrong. Mm-hmm. It was like fundamentally existence. who you are as a person is wrong. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Um, you were, uh, so the way I think about shame and of course, shame and guilt go so hand in hand, that's mm-hmm. important to distinguish. I think about guilt as feeling bad for something that you've done, mm-hmm. you know, I feel guilty for X, Y, Z. Here's a great example. I forgot about an appointment I had today and I was in here doing paperwork, super focused. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I looked at my clock. It was 1215. I was like, Oh shoot. Yeah. There. I felt very guilty about that. Yeah. But I didn't feel shame Mm -hmm. and, uh, shame the way that I like to think about it, it has to do with who we are as a person, which is exactly what you were saying. Mm -hmm. So if I'm feeling bad about something that I've, Done, that's my actions. Sure. If I'm feeling shame, it's somehow reflected on how I think about myself as a person. Sure. You had said feeling less than yeah. human, you know. Yeah. That really is, I think, the the impact of shame. Or that's like the mark of shame. Like you can see it.
1: Yeah. I know I like yeah. your definition here. Yeah. And, and the the uh split of what the two are. Yeah, yeah.
0: I was just reminded of the biblical story of Cain and Abel. You remember mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Um and you know, Cain kills his brother Abel and uh as his punishment he's banished. Mm-hmm. Him and his descendants are banished to wander the world, but Cain is given a mark. On his forehead, right? Something like this? I don't remember this part. Sounds, I just remember uh, him killing
1: his brother. Yeah, yeah. Banished.
0: Cain is given a mark. Um and there's sort of like this twofold purpose of the mark. Mm-hmm. First, it, it's a protection. It's a, All the descendants of Cain will have this mark so that everybody will know.
1: Protection uh, from them?
0: Protection. So in the story, it's Cain and his descendants are protected by God. Gotcha. It's the mark so that they know, like, this is a special person. This is a special lineage. But also the mark is a mark of shame because it identifies people connected to the murder, the first in the Christian tradition, the first homicide. Right, yeah. Um, so it's this twofold: like protection, but also yeah, banishment, yeah, shame. You yep. are not okay. Um, anyway, uh, where is I going with that? We we're talking about guilt and shame, the difference I, between I, guilt and shame. I don't
1: know where you're going, but I'm curious oh, if I remember real okay, quick, full ahead. circle, and then yes.
0: Um, the experience of, um, you said being immutably, immutably being wrong and mm-hmm. being immutably wrong. It's like your existence is somehow wrong. Right. Yeah. I think that's what this, this person was talking about. And that, that feels like what is at least, um, threatened with the experience of shame. Like, oh my gosh, I might feel
1: yeah this. Yeah. Yeah. So what I was thinking when you were telling your story, I'm wondering if, if we're using Cain and his descendants here, right? If shame is a, a you know a legacy, where maybe Cain's actions mm. were guilt. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm maybe. How much I, shame we carry yeah. from a legacy standpoint?
0: Well, that's probably um, taking the
1: same direction that you weren't intending. No, that's
0: okay. It's. uh... That's really interesting, like generational shame. Um, Okay, I'm going to back up, give some context, and then answer that. Cool. Um, So, if shame is the sense of being unworthy, being less than human, um, it's also I I think and I, I've seen this clinically I've lived it s- experientially I've I've se- taught it I've seen it happen one of the risks of shame is not um a feeling like you belong yeah we keep going back to this theme or it risks isolation mhm if i do, if i'm less than human or i'm unworthy then i am then i am uh I can be rejected. Yeah. Right. And if I'm rejected, something fundamental breaks. Mm -hmm. We don't want that. That's, we've talked a lot about this. That's one of the central themes. We will do so much to avoid rejection. Yep. Or if we can't avoid it, so much to tolerate it. And in the worst version of this, we'll punish the people we feel rejected by. Right. Revenge, you know, violence. Um, Anyway, so shame in its healthy sense is used for socializing. Mm-hmm. This mechanism of if you experience shame, you experience the risk of isolation or rejection.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Do you remember the movie 300, which reflects the, the actual historical event of the Battle of Thermopylae?
1: Of course right. I remember the movie 300.
0: Right. So the, the, the cripple, the hunchback. <laughs> yes. So for the listeners, the story... Do you want to give the, the his story real, briefly?
1: Of the Spartans? mm
0: Of the Hunchback? Of the Hunchback. That Which part?
1: Up. You mean where, where he betrays them? So he's
0: a Spartan baby. Yeah. Okay, so the Battle of Thermopylae, the 300 fight off the Persian mm-hmm. em- Empire, and it's it's one of the most uh, historically celebrated battles ever. Yeah. Um, but the only reason the Spartans lost is because this... Uh, at least how the story goes is this deformed man um, wanted to join the 300 right Um, and so he followed them and then asked to join Mm -hmm. and he was rejected right and so instead of uh, helping in the way that was offered he went to the Persian king and showed him a way to flank the right the um, Spartans and they all died right but
1: Real fast, yeah. And I, first of all, I love this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. <laughs> too many, uh, probably great and ridiculous memories. Do I have connected to this movie? But the rejection was a little bit deeper than that, too, right? I mean, technically, he's supposed to be, um, killed because of his deformities, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. He was. It was a rejection, not just of himself, but of his. Legacy Mm -hmm. uh, to his family Mm -hmm. because they kept him and, you know, he was, I don't know, outcast, right?
0: Yeah. So in Spartan society, if a baby was, um, didn't seem healthy when it was born, it was murdered.
1: And the reason, the reason I bring this up, because when you're talking about rejection and shame, you know, you're talking about it at um, a relational level from him to the Spartans, right? Yeah, Yeah. When I think of shame, and I'm sure we'll get into this as we go along in this podcast, there's an internal aspect of this that's not just um, you know, me on me, but me mm-hmm. on, I don't know family lineage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Does that make yeah, sense?
0: Yeah, I think so. So what I the reason I wrapped in this story is that because um, we're we're trying to connect to, to the generational shame piece. Sure. The reason I wrapped in this story is I feel like his story is a story of shame. So if shame mm-hmm. is a isolating thing from the community that you, belong to. Yep. Um, yes, his family did something shameful mm-hmm. by, not, by not killing him, not discarding him. Right. And he tried to recover that. He tried to redeem that legacy Right. Um, by fighting with the Persons. Spartan warriors. Right. Uh, when, and then he was rejected. Right. So, I, you know, I want to belong here.
1: Right. No thanks.
0: Uh, and it's like, no, you, you, you don't yeah. belong here in the way that you want to. Um, and so then he betrayed right you know anyway um in so in the healthy use of of shame it's uh it's a way of socializing so it's a way of making sure that communities stay connected culture stay preserved um you know we we sort of do this um just as a matter of practice you know the the risk of isolation is kind of what we use to socialize our, our kids mm-hmm. it's um you don't get to play if you hit mm-hmm. if you if we look at the dynamics of that is here's your group if you're hitting you have to take a break from the group right you know um and all of the other versions of that so often the relationship is leveraged Timeout. it's you don't get to be here um with the rest of us, it's isolation, grounding, isolation, um, detention right at school, isolation, suspension, isolation. Suspension's always confused me because it's like, cool, a few days off. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so this dynamic of between uh, connection and rejection is, is really present. Um, so... If we talk about generational shame, yeah, and shame is this idea of either feeling as if we belong or not. Mm-hmm. and we have this innate drive to belong. Um, generations of shame often play out in ways that... Um, Let's see, how do I say this? In ways that maintaining the rules that shame requires within a family Mm -hmm. is required in order for you to belong.
1: Right. We should probably slow down and explain what you mean by rules in a family. Yeah, I will. Okay. Yep.
0: Yep. Thank you. So here's a a good example. Mm Mm-hmm of something that's unfortunately relatively common. Um, so one of the most unspoken, but, pr- uh, and most prevalent, um, painful experiences in families is sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Very often. And, and most often perpetrators of sexual abuse know their victims intimately. Right. Um, And often, if there's a victim of sexual abuse that, like, say, we're seeing clinically. Right. There's usually generational legacies of it. Mm-hmm. It's usually not isolated if it happens right. within a family, you know.
1: Um, Meaning that it's it's happened over different generations. Generations, right. yeah,
0: yeah. There's been several generations of victims. Right. You know. This isn't always the case, of course. We're only speaking in general terms, sure. but when it is the case, when uh, when there are generations of victims and generations of perpetrators, what also often happens is there are unspoken and spoken rules sure. about if you can, whether you can talk about it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so rules in a family are like, it, it, again, belonging is leveraged. Mm-hmm. It's like if if you talk about this, it's okay. We talk about the weather. We talk about crazy Uncle Dave. Yeah. We talk about Republicans or Democrats. Right. You know, blah, 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 blah. But we don't talk about the fact that this happened. Right. That this happened to you. Right. This happened to your your aunt, and right. this happened to your grandma. Right. You Bring know, shame w- to the family. Whatever. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that that. The, the, the shame sits there and it dictates what's acceptable and not acceptable to bring out in the open right um, the impact of that is um, there's several impacts of that but I want to focus on maybe one or two Okay. Um, kids don't know Early on That they aren't supposed to tell the truth Right um, To the people that care for them Right We're taught that You know Um, And when we learn it We learn that it's an act of self-preservation I have Have I told you the story about me throwing tomatoes at my grandpa's house? No (laughs) You have not I'm going to tell you (laughs) This is a vivid memory I probably was four years old Something like that, but I loved throwing tomatoes. It's mm-hmm. so fun and so fulfilling. You just whip it, splat! Yeah, you know, my grandma and grandpa had tomato plants underneath their kitchen window. Gotcha. Um, and somehow, some way, one time in my early childhood, when the tomatoes were rotting, were rotting. I think I was allowed to throw tomatoes because they were they weren't good anymore, Yeah. and I like fell in love. Yeah. Um. And so, this this day, against my grandpa's.
1: <laughs> Is this the grandpa you were super close
0: with too? Yeah yeah. 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 Um. The, you know, at this age, I think I lived with them still. Or if gotcha. I didn't, I was there every day. Yeah. With my, 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 uh, my mom. Um. But I picked his green tomatoes off his plant mm-hmm. and just like chucked them and splattered them all over the siding of the house <laughs> yeah. as one does <laughs> when yeah. they're four or five or whatever. Sure. Um, and uh, of course I got caught. Yeah. And of course I got asked, hey, did you do that? Um, and I made up this elaborate story. <laughs> First I said no. Of course. No, yeah. I didn't. No, right. Um I made up this elaborate story of a man walking on the sidewalk, because this was in the front yard. Yeah. Uh, walking on the sidewalk. He came up and came across the yard. I was playing in the yard, and he said he was going to throw the tomatoes. And I told him my grandpa said no. <laughs> but but he still... <laughs> But he still did it, and I tried screw to screw you, kid. I tried to stop him, but he wouldn't. <laughs> he wouldn't stop. <laughs> I told this elaborate lie, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and and I remember this vividly. My aunt, uh, her name is Patty, but I called her Happy because I couldn't say Patty when I was a little one, so mm-hmm. it still sticks. Um, I, I remember her taking me out onto my grandparents' back porch, which is like a. My grandparents' back porch is like, a, uh, this, like this quintessential element of my childhood. It's, it's very important. Mm-hmm. But she took me out there and it was basically <sighs> like, they used to call me AJ. Like, AJ, we know. And I remember finally confessing to my aunt, happy. You know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I know that I was afraid of disappointing my grandpa. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very aware, whether it's me projecting into the past or if it was actually happening, I'm very aware that that part of it was my grandpa was the central male figure in my life. And disappointing him felt like somehow I would lose his love. Sure. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's shame. Unfortunately, what I know now from my family is that the telling the truth about what's wrong is, uh, or what's telling the truth about what you're thinking, feeling Mm -hmm. is liable to get you rejected, right? You're liable to be cut off.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's a legacy of shame.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: if it doesn't fit the narrative of the family, what's acceptable, what we talk about the, what it means to be a part of our family. Right. We're very, you're, you are very liable to be cut off and that you know excommunicated. Yeah. Rejected. It's, uh, it's interesting. I've, I've mentioned this before, but my grandpa is very, um, He's very much responsible for that dynamic. Yeah. And I've never experienced it from him myself. Yeah. That's very confusing. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Oh, I totally get it. And and, and so totally. it's, it's almost as if there's a force that he embodies that's bigger than him. Yeah. And it's almost bigger than what my experience of him has been my mm-hmm. whole life. Because almost every... Every time I'm afraid, oh my gosh, this is going to make grandpa so disappointed or so upset or something. It's like literally not an issue. When I first got a tattoo, (laughs) did I tell you this story? No. Oh man, this is not what I was planning on taking today, (laughs) but whatever. Um, When I first got a tattoo, so I have a... uh, How old? I I mean, I was in my 20s. Okay. Yeah, late 20s. Yeah. Um, I got a tattoo and... uh, he was i grew up just like everyone was anti-tattoo sure i couldn't even get like those stick-on tattoos you know with water and stuff like that um because it was just so yeah. bad you know yeah
1: well i mean you grew up in a catholic family right yeah
0: Beards were bad yeah long hair was your bad. body's a temple tattoos are tattoo, bad it's destroying the temple yeah yeah all of it was bad yeah and so I showed up and I, I remember sitting on my, uh, the mantle of the house that I grew up in the fireplace mantle mm-hmm. and my grandpa was sitting on the, my grandpa's sitting on the couch. He goes, is that a tattoo? <laughs> I was like, yeah, grandpa it is. And, uh, he's like, is it real? I was like, yep, it's real grandpa. I was like, do you want to see it? And he's like, no. <laughs> 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 um, fast forward two years, uh, my wife and I were living, we've, we, at that time I was living with my parents, sure. uh, with my two kids. Fast forward two years, uh, we're, li- we bought our own house, um, in the, in that area. Yeah. And s- something was wrong with our car or something like that. And mm-hmm. so my grandpa lent me his pickup truck, but he needed it back. Um, and so I early in the morning, I drove to his house, which is about 20 minutes away to give him back his pickup truck. Mm -hmm. Um, and then pick up my car because the garage that my family went to for two generations, three generations was in that town. So I picked up my car, uh, dropped off and then went to give grandpa his pickup truck. Um, yeah. However, I don't remember how it works, but, uh, and I, I told my coworker, I'm like, I'm probably going to be late today. So I'm like, I'm having coffee with Grandpa. You know? Yeah. Um, and so I sat down and I finally got a chance to explain to him my tattoos. And I was like, Grandpa, I want to tell you about th- this. Yeah. I want to tell you about this tattoo. Um, and that whole piece is a uh, tribute to my grandma, Oh. his wife. Yeah. You know, it's a big bear, um, which is the, uh, in the Finnish... Pagan religion is the this, the god of rebirth,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, and I told him the whole story around it. And then I, at that time, I also had tattoos on my left arm. Uh, yeah, two words embody me, and then uh, the constellation Orion. Mm-hmm. So I told my grandpa the whole story. Yeah, that it embodied all of like his legacy, my like love for him, my grandma. Yeah, you know all of this stuff. We ended up having. Just like this incredible conversation about, about like God and love and uh um, you know just just our uh his role in my life mm-hmm. you know and and my, my grandma's role in my life I was born single mom, they took me in yeah um, and in a lot of ways, I really believe him and my grandma are the reasons i'm I'm not in jail. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. sorry, mom, but also uh, you know they there was there was uh, in the midst of the storm of my early years, I had two
1: yeah. rocks.
0: My mom was doing her best, but she was also a very young single mother. yeah, and I had two rocks. and so maybe sometime I'll tell the whole story of my tattoos. but I told my grandpa the whole story mm-hmm. and and then I ended up reading him the poem, or I actually have it by memory, reciting yeah. the poem by Rilke that my tattoo comes from the Embodiment. Um, and then I told him of the next tattoo that I'm planning, which is happening in September. Well,
1: cool. this is the quarter sleeve or three quarter sleeve. Three quarter sleeve. Cool. Yeah. What's and, it going to be like when we both have three quarter sleeves and Fuego shorts?
0: Perfect. It's
1: going to be perfect.
0: <laughs> but if the first part of my tattoo is a tribute yeah. to my grandma, the second part is a tribute to my grandpa. Yeah. So I told him, I told him the whole story, Yeah. you know, um, And, uh, the gift that, that, um, I think the gift that he and my grandma gave me was the opportunity to thrive. Yeah. You know, like in the midst of a lot of pain. Yeah. Again, the, uh, they were anchors that at least gave me the foundations of a chance. Yeah. And then life happened and my mom and stepdad did what they could. And also that's a long story that I'm not getting into. It's very yeah. complicated. But I, at the heart of it, at the roots of it, I had a chance. And I think I had a chance because of my grandparents. Yeah. So I told him this story. And uh, he's like, I can't wait to see it. Isn't that wild? That is wild. It's like. It, it's really special, too. It, yeah. It's, uh <laughs> You know, the first time he's like, Grandpa, do you want to see it? No. 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 Nope. AJ. I don't. Age. That's what he calls Age. It. Age. Uh, um How do we wrap that back to shame? I mean it just it's just it was like I go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Oh, I mean that wasn't that wasn't like I wanted to say something, but oh, okay. I could I could if you really want to. Well, I've got some I've
0: got I've got one follow up and then yeah, I should okay. probably shush. Um but I think Despite every experience I've had with my grandpa of acceptance and I don't even I don't even remember an experience with him of rejection or my grandma Yeah, she died when I was 18 Um, Including some of the most Intimate precious and vulnerable parts of my life like he knows it all and There are only a few people in the whole world that know it all sure. He still hasn't rejected me. Yeah, and I know that he's partly responsible for the legacy of shame that brought those things, those, yeah. those deepest pains, into my life. Mm-hmm. Oof! But every time now that I overcome that shame, this fear of rejection from this man that I love, he's proven me wrong. Yeah. But the wound is still there. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Oh man, there's so many things I want to say. I'm going to try I gonna say them real fast get them out of my brain. No, say wanna, whatever you want, man. But I want to tie it back to what you're talking about right now with your right, grandpa. Yeah. One I I also have a grandpa tattoo. Do you? I do. Yeah. Yeah, it covers most of my side, but it would be fun to do a show on tattoos and their meanings for we us. We should do it. Yeah. yeah. Let's do
0: it after I finish this after I get it finished. Cool. In September. Deal. Yeah.
1: You know. Or hopefully when I'm starting my next well, not not then, but yeah. at some point. Yeah. yeah.
0: I have a uh, I have I think it's gonna be a two sh- two session job, so
1: well if it's adding on to what you already have for a six. quarter sleep or three quarter sleep, I'm sure it's at least two.
0: Yeah. Has to be. Yeah. I have two scheduled and I think it's yeah. anyway. Yeah, so September, October, let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Let's do a cool. tattoo story.
1: Cool. Yeah. Um I have, I have dreams not making it a YouTube channel at that point. Let's show off our ink. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not vain at all. <laughs> Hey, it's art. <laughs> sure. I mean it is, but still it, is art. it but still. But you know, I remember when I got my first tattoo and I was I was eighteen and um I'd wanted a tattoo forever. And I got it literally the day before I left for college. Mm-hmm. Like the night the next morning my car was packed, I was heading out. Mm-hmm. But I remember I my parents I was so afraid of being shamed by my parents. Yeah. Um, and my grandparents that it was like I had to hide it but of course being a a young and dumb 18 year old like you failed? yeah I mean I made it for like a month or two I think maybe it was (laughs) three but I I remember it was one of those things where I had like accidentally hit like my entire email um, uh, address book like send an email to a specific person I don't know how it happened I mean I was a bit of a wreck mm-hmm. at 18 as a freshman in college, so I have some ideas. Pushing buttons. Uh, I was probably drunk. But mm-hmm. <laughs> and pushing buttons. Yeah. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I had accidentally sent it to people that would have 100% told my mom. Mm-hmm. And then I got a phone call from her. Are you going to show me, Marshall? Are you going to show me? I was like, oh, show you what? I know you got a tattoo. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I guess. <laughs> Here, here it is yeah but I remember with every single one that I got after that it was like and I had to prep myself to to tell them because I was afraid of being shamed hmm. um disappointing them whatever however you want to label it but mm-hmm. you know you and I had talked I can't remember what episode it was but it would have been early on we'll say mm-hmm. first three and I remember talking about uh, at one point that I had a great relationship with my grandfather as mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. and you had made reference to like um I mean, exactly what you were talking about earlier, which was like, Hey, you know, I have a great relationship with this person, but I also know that my parents, relationship wasn't the same. Yes. Yeah. Um, and when you were telling that story, man, that just kept resonating with me at a a very deep level because Mm -hmm. like I had a, I had a really great relationship with my grandfather Mm -hmm. and I have a great relationship with my dad. Um, but at the same time, I remember feeling so much anger with certain situations growing up mm-hmm. um, and even past, like, growing up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the shame coming from that, that was, you know, resulted, like, once I understood the dynamics a, a decade later after my grandfather had passed, mm-hmm. that it was trauma-based from my grandfather to my father, but, mm-hmm. you know, I never saw that. I just felt the shame of, of you know, disappointment or yeah. or feeling less than yeah um, not feeling it well, how would you describe it earlier as being not enough yeah yeah right yeah um like you're saying that that if I traced it back went to my grandpa mm mm-hmm. but i i never understood at the time because I was close with him mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
0: and he and that was not the relationship that you had with him no yeah no yeah it's
1: it's there's such
0: a um tension there to the uh, like i can I can trace this back, what's interesting though is I know um I had a conversation with my grandpa about some of these like very vulnerable things that I'm talking yeah like, that I'm referencing, and he said something in that conversation that let me know that it didn't start with him, yeah, you know why well, th- I- that uh but being able to speak about it mm-hmm. started with me. Yeah, you know, and it's ironic that his the mandate of silence around his experience that he felt, yeah, passed to his kids, mm-hmm. and passed to me, and I rejected it. Yeah. Um. But the generation of above me decided. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this this gets deep, but still holds it. But he rejects it now. Did, well, that's you awesome. you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's so it's such a strange experience, because he's accepting of a secret yeah. that I'm telling him that he won't even ex- allow himself, and and didn't allow. Well,
1: hmm. It's complicated,
0: right? Yeah, because I I know that he actually did allow the secret to be spoken yeah in my mom's generation and actually did something about the situation
1: yeah
0: oof it's complicated it's so it's so nuanced it's it's yeah. so difficult to black and white would be so much easier <laughs> but it would be so less rich
1: yeah yeah for sure you know as you're talking about this i'm i'm just you know I was an entirely different person when my grandfather passed away. I was Mm. 22 years old. Whoopsies. Sorry. Sorry. Mike bump. Yeah. I was 22 years old, man. Like I'm a, it seems like a lifetime ago at this point. Yeah. Um, and I'm sitting here just fantasizing like, man, I wish I could, I don't know, go back and have this conversation now, but at the same time, like Mm -hmm. I also don't talk about that feeling of shame Mm -hmm. now. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't, I don't really either. Yeah. You know, um, my grandma was 18 when... Or <laughs> I was 18 when my grandma died. Yeah. And uh, it's complicated, too. She died of breast cancer. Yeah. And by the time she got diagnosed, she had had a lump for six years. Wow. And she didn't go to yeah. the doctor because she thought her job was to always be present and to always take care of everyone else. Yeah. And she did that for me. I mean, she. my grandma was just like... Incredible, yeah. You know, like this warm, protective blanket over <laughs> over everyone. Yeah. You know, she she that's what she was. Um, but sometimes I get angry yeah. because if she would have gone to the doctor, she might still be here. She yeah. might have met my kids. Yeah. You know, she might have uh, seen everything that I that I've become at this point. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, 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 I sometimes think about that. Like, I imagine, uh, I don't even believe in heaven anymore, but I still feel as if grandma's watching. You know, mm. I've had these really powerful experiences. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I struggle with, like, this feeling like, you might have been able to see me now yeah if you weren't so ashamed of being weak, yeah, and she might have not have been so ashamed of being weak if my grandpa wasn't an alcoholic for all of the years that they raised their kids, you yeah know? because she had to hold everything together because he was he was that yeah he worked, he drank Blech. you know so the, it it's it's so difficult to to land on solid ground with this stuff except based on our experience, you yeah. Know? It's also oh. terrifying. Yes. Uh, in what way
1: do you mean? I mean, uh, you're a professor, you're a successful therapist, and you're yeah. highly talented. You know what I mean? And it's still something that's like, uh, even talking about it with your own family, again, I'm, I'm relating to my own experience mm-hmm. here. It's still really difficult, and there's still a lot at risk, it feels like, all the time. Absolutely, you know what I mean. One hundred percent.
0: one of my fears that that's present to me, and I i I like deal with it kind of in the background, but I, I need to confront it head on. My grandpa just turned eighty nine mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I am I know that I'm capable of asking him his life story now. Yeah, I know that I don't have to live with the story that I knew when I left the house at 18 but that's about all I have yeah and I'm also terrified of him telling me no that he won't tell me yeah you know and so I haven't asked for yet. sure for sure but he's 89 I mean, he's super healthy
1: yeah but, but he's 89. 89
0: like we, we're human mm. you know there's there's a time limit on these things yeah and you're exactly right yeah that's one of the hardest pieces of of wrestling with this type of thing as you know as you mm-hmm. mentioned i've got the you know professional resume that would indicate that i shouldn't necessarily struggle with these things but family's family it's People, scary humans are human and it's terrifying i yeah. mean
1: and you and i have talked about this not on the podcast but in <laughs> different areas of our profession here mm-hmm. you know like like i referenced earlier i have a i I'm super close with my dad. Mm-hmm. We did a whole podcast on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, I talk to him two or three times a week, yeah. depending on the time of the year. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I have a great mom, too. Like, mm-hmm. Super loving and supportive. But, mm-hmm. like, if I was going to talk about the shame that I felt from, you know, growing up in the church and that they were a part of and that mm-hmm. my grandpa was a part of and is a legacy of the shame that I feel at a very deep level. Mm-hmm that's terrifying yeah you know, know what i mean yeah
0: yeah somehow it at least for me it's like i'll lose the it feels as if i'll lose the relationship or mm-hmm. i'll be talked out of what i know to be true yeah which is those those two things are equally painful
1: see for me i don't i don't fear of losing the relationship or being talked out of it mm-hmm. i f- my shame comes from being like, oh, I'm going to hurt them or I'm mm. going to hurt the family. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I do. Um, I had this one. So I, I have an alarm set on my phone. Mm. Three o'clock Sunday afternoons, call grandpa. Mm. Um, I don't do it every Sunday. Yeah. But I try. Yeah. I try my best. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm always anxious about it. For a variety of reasons that ha- don't have much to do with him, honestly. Yeah. Um, but one time I called him, and I don't even know what, how we got here, but we started talking about his business failures. Mm. He um, he stayed, uh, his dad owned a soda shop. I made pop, you know. Yeah. For those Midwesterners out there, pop. <laughs> and so
1: he's, did you call it soda or pop? I called it pop. Okay, totally. Yeah,
0: I call it soda now because I, I reject Midwest simplicity. Oh my God! Sorry, I, I can't help it. <laughs> in Fuego. In Fuego, my uh, my best friend in high school and I, we intentionally undid our Minnesota accents as much as we could. We both hated it. And I, I know in retrospect, we sounded absolutely ridiculous. It was like a mix of West Coast and speech impediment. <laughs> 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 but we talked about it. We're like, we're undoing this. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, Grandpa, he did Pop Shop, and then that folded. And then uh, he owned a gas station and a couple semi-trucks that uh, hauled fuel oil. Um, And it was in the 70s and the 80s when farming was in a tough spot, and he serviced mostly farmers. Yeah. And uh, he had a big heart, so he would provide fuel oil for them and not get paid for it. Yeah. And so there were a lot of years where he essentially made zero money. You know, he he failed as a business and struggled financially. And uh, um, I think I was talking to him about the business. It was before I hired you, but uh, things were going well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was talking to him about that, owning the business and all this stuff. Um, And he started talking about some of his regrets. And he kept going like, Nah, you don't want to hear this. You don't want to hear this. We don't know. What's What's going well? Tell me what's going good. And I kept saying, like, Grandpa, I need to hear this. I'm like, yeah. I want to hear this. And uh, I, th- I think at some point I said to him, like, listen, I'm where you were. And I need to know what was hard because I'm learning myself. Yeah. But he was so resistant. Like, we got I got about 15 minutes of him talking about the pain of failing, failing at business. Yeah. But then he was like, You don't want to hear me complain. I'm just an old man complaining. I'm like, Grandpa, no. I'm just grabbing by the shoulders and like, Grandpa, we need this. Yeah. We need this. I need this. You know, yeah. this is what we need. This is what I need. We as in a generation, this is me as in yeah. a young father, yeah. young professional. Like, how are we supposed to know how to do this if people like you don't tell us?
1: You yeah. know?
0: But again, it's that shame he doesn't want to seem weak. Yeah, doesn't want to burden
1: me. Like my God, Grandpa burden. Also, probably doesn't want to relive failure, right?
0: No, I'm sure not. And probably doesn't want to cry and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, that interestingly, and I'm sure we're about winding down. Um, but uh, his professional failures, I think, are some of the things that he holds most shame about. Yeah. Which brings us all the way back to that, where we were going to start. we spent zero time talking which about. Which we spent Shame time. and work. We so, may find our next series. I think we need to keep talking about this. Yeah. I didn't anticipate this going this
1: way, but I don't really care. I did. I, and if you if we were on the tape. No, I, I, didn't, I mean, I, did,
0: I didn't. You did call it. I didn't think I was going to talk about my grandpa. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but.
1: I just don't know how we can, at least, and maybe this is my own personal bias. I don't know how we can talk about shame and necessarily start at work. It's just, there's too much there.
0: I think what happened today is, is, uh, a really good indication of everything that's wrapped up though in shame, um, which is there's, there's generations involved, Yeah, you know? There's generations and relationships and, uh, value, value, ideals, loyalty, loyalty. Mm-hmm. Like I know, I know my grandpa didn't go to college all out of loyalty to his dad Yeah, and his grandpa. Somebody had to come, somebody had to keep the family business going and take care of his parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, his, his. Oldest brother, my uncle Bob, went to college. Starting quarterback at St. John's University, the most successful college program in Minnesota really? history. Wow! Coach John Gillardi is the winningest. Winning. Oh, I know. I know about St. John's. You know John Gillardi, the coach.
1: I don't know the coach, but I know. I know the history of St. John's.
0: The winningest coach in NCAA
1: football history. Yeah, you remember? Is, I went to Central College, which is also way yeah, up there. Yeah, that's right. St. John's yeah. is very revered. Yeah, yeah.
0: St. John's. So he was a starting quarterback in the. I mean, fifties probably. Sure. He was born in the late twenties, so what's the math? Anyway, yeah, yeah, Uncle Bob, starting quarterback at St. John's University, superintendent of school districts for his professional life, and my but uh, my grandpa stayed. Yeah. There were two boys. Yeah. Bob and Grandpa. Um. I know he regretted not regrets not going to college. Yeah. But he also stayed because of loyalty. You know mm-hmm there was one boy to to do that and yeah. it was my he lives in the house that he was raised in that yeah. his grandpa built in the 1800s yeah yeah Man, I want to own that house I never want to live there cuz I never want to live in that town again yeah but I want to own that house to make sure the memories stay I, I won't probably it's gonna, yeah yeah you know. <laughs> whatever's going to happen with it's going to happen you
1: know I would hate to see it fall out of the family but no I get it I think our family name our family farm name is McElhaney and Sons yeah there's no son there's I'm the son yeah yeah I was gonna say you're the you're not farming yeah (laughs) yeah
0: yeah um yeah I mean that's yeah that loyalty piece is is really it's really a part of it and Again, I know we need to wind down. It's an interesting question why we would do things for the sake of loyalty to family that are clearly harmful to our own individual
1: mm. livelihood. That's the question that from, started this idea. Yeah,
0: yeah, from one perspective. You know, like staying connected to family is preserving wellness Yeah. In some way. Um. But on the other hand You know they, I, I feel like Even in my clinical work I encounter countless stories of people saying Like I had this wonderful life But I chose this other one instead For the sake of my kids Or for the yeah. sake of my parents And That's complicated for them Because it's worth it And on the other hand It's really difficult for them Yeah So Anyway, I think we opened not only a can of worms, probably a bucket. So, (laughs) speaking of worms, this can be where we end. One of my best memories of my grandpa. See, he he built a cabin in uh, north central Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Um, It is my mecca, my happy place. If I'm going to buy anything... It's the cabin. It's the cabin. I'm buying the cabin, not the house. Yeah. Um, But it is... it, It holds... Just almost like this, I drive up there and like every good feeling comes. (laughs) Like I love it. I went up there with my grandparents all the time, with my parents all the time. It's just it's it's a beautiful place to me. Um, But one of the most uh, one of the most beautiful memories of that is my grandpa would take us fishing on the lake, and it's a small lake, so it's very easy to. Well, maybe it's not very. It's it's relatively easy to know the yeah. lake the you know where to catch the fish where to catch what kind of fish you know so i, I know the i know the lake pretty well because of him mm-hmm. um but getting uh, there's this big hole in the lake it's a fairly shallow lake but then there's a big hole that's about 50 feet deep and right on the edge of it there's a bunch of weeds and in the summer you can drop line for sunfish and your line isn't even halfway down before sunnies are st- on it like it's incredible it's like yeah. a kid's fishing dream you know right. it just like we float out this old school pontoon right. and we'd all have drop lines and we'd put a worm on it and drop no, it like ten. no feet delayed down. gratification it's oh it's my still. gosh just like
1: whoosh, whoosh.
0: yeah It'd fish after fish we catch a whole dinner anyway every time before we go out fishing there's this ditch on the other side of the gravel road where he and i would go dig for
1: worms worms yeah
0: yeah yeah, it's where he dumped the leaves from his lawn, so there was mulch, and and uh, he'd stick the, you know stick the pitchfork in, flip it, and then I got to dig through the dirt and the for leaves. Worms. Yeah, it's the well, the best ever.
1: Probably need to dig for some worms with the shame stuff, man.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Anyway, that's it. Or let's embrace digging for worms. One of the two.
0: There it is. Yeah, we embrace
1: the worm hunt digging Digging. yeah let's get wormy no (laughs) let's do the worm. delete that in fuego
0: (laughs) thanks everyone for listening again this is becoming man look forward to talking to you next time yeah
1: be well